What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. I am are two of the most powerful words for what you put after those words will shape your reality. I'm going to say it again. The term I am are two of the most powerful words for what you put after those words begin to shape your reality. Listen carefully to what people say after I am because more times than not, it's the reality of their life. You might hear people say, I am tired. And it's like certain people, is that, that's literally they, their go-to every time you see them. You already know. You, you, you're, you're getting ready to ask them how they're doing, and you already know before they answer you. They, you in your head, they're, they're going to tell me they're tired. Because it's always, how are you doing? I am tired. And that's how they live. I call them brothers and sister tired. I am broke. <laughs> Y'all getting it now where I'm going with this? I am depressed. I am frustrated. Now, there's nothing wrong with having seasons and days like this, but there are people that literally confess that every day of their life, all day and night, that that is how they live every single day and night of their life. The term I am is so powerful because it usually shapes your reality, and you should pay attention the next time you ask people, I am, because there are others that may be going through things, but they say, I am blessed. I am a child of God. I am purposeful. I am joyful. See, because some of these things that we will experience in life, they will be emotions, and we fix ourselves on emotions, and we hinge on temporary feelings, and we begin to create an identity out of temporary things. But I want to let you know that you have a choice today to say, I am blessed. Yes, I'm tired, but I am still blessed. Yes, I'm frustrated, but I am still joyful. Yes, I am tired, but I am purposeful. I am is such a powerful thing. Would you say I am? See, the term I am is even in the scriptures. In fact, the term I am 300 times is in the Bible, all the way from Genesis to the end in Revelation, the term I am relating to God when he says I am. In fact, in the book of Genesis and Exodus, we, will see, we see God revealing himself as I am. Moses, when he was getting ready to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, they were in captivity, and he went to them saying, Lord, what, am, what in the world am I going to tell these people when they ask me, when the children of Israel ask me, who am I? Do I have the credentials to deliver them from captivity? They're going to ask me who, who I am. They're going to ask me about my resume. They're going to ask me who sent me and God says to him in a time of prayer he says tell them that I am sent you (laughs) can you imagine going to thousands upon thousands of people and telling them hey I'm your leader and I'm getting ready to deliver you I stutter (laughs) I can't speak well but I'm getting ready to help you they're going to ask you who in the world sent you I am 
I am sent you. Yahweh in the Hebrew term. Yahweh, I am. Elohim, the term I am. Why in the world did he say I am? Because here's the thing about God, that whatever you need him to be in your life, he is that. <laughs> he says today, I am what you need me to be. I will be who you need me to be. I create whatever I need to create because I am the great I am. So if somebody needs healing in this place, he said, I am your healer. If someone needs deliverance, he says to you today, I am your deliverer. I am whatever it is you need me to be. God says, I am that. He said to him, tell him that I am sent you. And in the scripture, in the book of John, over there in the New Testament, we see Jesus making these very powerful I am statements, these very powerful I am claims that no other spiritual or religious figure ever in history had ever made. And so I want us briefly, there are about seven of them, and I just want to look over three of them because I want you leaving this place knowing the Jesus of the Bible not just leaving church with the concept of what grandmama, auntie and them taught you, Awelita taught you about Jesus, what you grew up believing about Jesus. I want you leaving knowing what the real person was, the, 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 the figure, the leader, the savior that is Jesus, who he really was in the scripture. And so he's making this claim, he's making it clear who he is in the Bible. And so I want us to read over three of those I am statements. Is it all right if I share with you three I am? statements. Is that all right today? All right. In John chapter 6, verse 35, the first I am claim and statement he makes is I am the bread of life. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. He says, I am the bread of life. Just hold on tight. Hold on tight. <laughs> Brother Reddy over there. I am the bread of of life. Look at what the scripture declares here. Let's look at it. John chapter 6, verse 35. Here he is. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Now, you have to realize that the context within John chapter 6, well, let me, let me back on up and give you some full context. The book of John, such a powerful book, uh, it stands out from the other gospels. See, there are four gospels. Uh, is it all right if I teach a little bit? Is it all right if I teach? There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is the last of the, of the gospels. And while they are four gospels that really tell an in-depth story of Jesus, the book of John stands out from the others. See, the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're, they're, they're known as the synoptic gospels. Uh, that's where we get the term a synopsis, uh, meaning as in they share a lot of similar stories. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they share a lot of the same stories in a lot of the same way. And the book of John is not one of the synoptic gospels, meaning as in it stands out by, it, by itself. The reason it stands out is because uh, John, the beloved apostle uh, that wrote the book of John, he wasn't on a mission to really tell the story of the human Jesus. Now, while he did share, because we believe that Jesus came in the flesh, God came in the flesh and took on this human shell, uh, he does teach and talk about it in the book of John, but his focus was more so about the deity of Jesus. 
He was on a mission to really emphasize to the Jewish people. He makes a lot of parallels. In fact, the the first book of John, John chapter 1, is tidily closely to Genesis chapter 1. When it says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in the same way, John chapter 1 starts the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And so there's so many parallels between John and the Old Testament because, because he wanted to show the Jewish people of that time, hey, listen, Jesus is not just a good man. He's not just a prophet, but he, in fact, is God. And here in this church, we don't believe that Jesus was just a good man, that he was just, he was just an okay guy in history. We believe in this church that Jesus was, is, and will forever be God. And so the book of John is touching on the deity. So whenever he's sharing the most miraculous stories in the Bible about signs and wonders, the reason he's emphasizing the the miraculous in the book of John is because he wants to teach on the deity. And so here he is, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6 here, before we get to this verse, Jesus had performed a miracle where he fed approximately 15,000 people. Listen to me. He fed 15,000 people. See, the Bible tells us about 5,000, but that's not including women and children. (laughs) So he broke apart some loaves and some fishes, miraculously fed approximately 15,000 people. And so that's what you have to have in mind when he's sharing, I am the bread of life. They just seen him perform the miraculous, and not only that, but they also are familiar that in Exodus, God provided manna from heaven miraculously. So they have a picture of this Jesus who's now performing a miracle, and they have the Torah. They have, they have the first books of the Bible, uh, the Pentateuch, and now they're looking, and they're saying, this is, this is similar to what happened when the children of Israel were delivered and God will provide manna from heaven miraculously. And so they have this picture in mind, but what he wants to teach them is saying, hey, I performed miracles in the past and I perform miracles now, but I don't want you to simply serve me because of miracles. I'm teaching somebody. I'm teaching. Don't worry. I'm going to get to the part that you like. You all are looking at me kind of strange, but it's all right. I'm coming for you. I'm going to get to the part that you, it's going to, it's going to click. All right. So once you get it though, can you let me know that you got it? Wait, you, okay. All right. So he's, go back. Just go back. So he is saying, I am the bread of life. They just ate physical bread. And what they were asking him was, can you continue to give us of this miraculous bread? Isn't that like that, like us a lot of times that Whenever we don't feel the presence of God, it's like we believe, start to believe that he's not there. Or if we're not seeing physical, tangible miracles and blessing in our life, we begin to question that God is real. You were just so fervent saying God is real when he performed the miracle. But what about when you haven't seen it in a little while? So he wanted to teach them. They just saw physical miracle, but he's saying, I want you to know that although this is wonderful, I am the bread of life. I am greater than any miracle that you could ever see, and I should be the one that you should be longing for. See, we're like that whenever we're hungry and we compromise and just get any old thing. Now you're ready, brother. Now I do. Look at you. You ever been, you ever been so hungry and hoping that something would satisfy you? 
but it wasn't the real thing. I'm going to catch it on your way out. You ever been so hungry and wanting to be satisfied? Listen, I've gone on vacation with my wife, and whenever we go, we always end up in some fancy schmancy restaurants. I grew up in a hood in Virginia, about 16 of us in a two-bedroom apartment. Some of y'all don't know what that's like. Yeah. Y'all doing the math in your head, like, hold on, how does that work? Trust me, bladder control. We only had one bathroom. So we end up going to fancy schmancy places, and I'm so excited, and I always go hungry to these restaurants, but it's the biggest mistake, (laughs) because the course is about this big, (laughs) and the server come out, and they're always super extra nice in these fancy places. It's like you don't want to be rude, but you're just looking at the food like, what am I supposed to do with that? This is the full course, sir. You ever wanted to get full with something and you just looked at something and knew that wasn't going to satisfy you? (laughs) Or how about you ever try to fill yourself with something that knew was going to get you sick? It's midnight, one in the morning, you got the munchies. You know, you know, good and well. You ain't supposed to be, I ain't going to start naming names because they don't sponsor us, so I'm not going to shout them out. But you know the food that you eat in the middle of the night. (laughs) You know good and well. You shouldn't be touching it. But because you're hungry and you want to satisfy the immediate craving, you go out in the middle of the night saying, I'm on a mission. (laughs) Because you want to satisfy a craving and a hunger that you have. And you might look at this. Shout out to my baby. She always providing the props. A fake toast. I'm trying to eat it because I'm hungry right now. This looks pretty silly, don't it? (laughs) But the reality is many of us do that in life. You know that relationship is not going to satisfy you. Okay, now I'm coming for you. (laughs) But still, it looked good. It kind of, it don't even look like the real thing, but it just, it's all, it's all right. I'll take whatever comes. Because it just, I'm hungry. We're like that when we say, this job is going to satisfy me. My friend is going to satisfy me. My girl is going to satisfy. And listen, you can try all you want to get satisfied from people and things and possessions, but you will always end up craving because it just is not the real thing. Real love. I'm searching for. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The youngest don't know, have no clue what I'm talking about. (laughs) But it's not until you get the real thing. Mm. I've had counterfeit for too long. I've gone to church all my life, but I've never experienced the real thing. That's why I'm still hungry. I've, I've been looking for fulfillment and purpose in my money, but it's like I get more and I still feel like I need more. 
And I just continue to give myself in more debt and I need more money to give myself in more debt because I just need more. I just need to be around more people. I just need to get myself busy with more things. I just need more possessions. Can I tell and help somebody today? You've been searching for the real thing to satisfy a hunger deep inside. Jesus wants to let you know, I am the bread of life, and when you take from me, you will never go hungry again. <laughs> My spitting. <laughs> you will never go hungry. See, some of us, the reason why we're spiritually weak is because we get filled with so many other things, but we don't fill our hearts and our spirits with the presence of God. We will fill ourselves with workouts, fill ourselves with schooling, fill ourselves with working, fill ourselves with going up the turn up, baby. And then Saturday, I need to turn down. I see y'all not gonna keep it real, but I got a YouTube church now that watches me, so they gonna keep it real with me. See. You go on seeking because you're longing, and Jesus is saying to somebody today, what you're looking for is in me. Fulfillment. That's why he's telling the people of Israel, he's telling the children, I am the bread of life. Don't go out just for miracles. Don't go out just on feelings. He said, he said, taste. The Bible declares, taste and see that the Lord is good. We get so full of so many other things, but we're spiritually malnourished because we're not eating the real thing. We're just taking the counterfeit. So you can't pray because you're malnourished. You have no strength, but you're full of everything else. You are full of it. <laughs> Jesus wants to let you know today, I am the bread of life. I am so thankful today that while there are so many things in life that are, that, that are a blessing, if I have Jesus, I have everything that I could ever want. And I can ever need. See, for some of y'all, that may be difficult, but I know that I have witnesses in this place. You've tried things, you've tried people, and they all have failed you. But when you tried a little bit of Jesus, when you gave your heart to Him, He gave you a high that you never experienced. He turned your life around more than anything in the world. He changed your life because He is the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. Let me move on to the next thing. Let me help somebody here in this place. He says, I am the light of the world. Scripture declares in John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light is very important. You ever try to get uh, uh, dressed for work in the dark? Ladies, you ever done your makeup in the dark? <laughs> darkness. It's difficult to move in the dark. You trip when you're in the dark. You bump into things. My baby's crying at three, four in the morning because she needs her milk and I'm trying to get her bottle of milk and I'm bumping into everything in the middle of the night walking like a zombie. Because light is very 
important. In the beginning, God said, let there be. Let's try that out. Cut me off. In the beginning, God said, let there be. <laughs> because light is so important. I'll never forget when I knew a restaurant owner that would have uh, folks break into a, to a shed he had uh, on the outside in, in an alleyway. They would always break in to that shed where he would have, you know, some equipment and different things and would call the police and the best they could do was just write a statement because even though they had cameras and everything, they were professionals, masked and everything, and they would just get in and out, a few seconds, gone. An interesting thing happened that he hadn't thought about before. It was very simple. It was very basic, but all he did was put a sensor light in the alley because it was dark before. See, when you're in darkness, things can infiltrate, steal, kill, and destroy and all he did was put a simple light and they never came back because as soon as they started approaching, just the simple fact that they saw bright lights, they will go on their way. Light is so important. And so Jesus wants to let his disciples know in the context of this particular verse that you see here in John chapter 8, he had just dealt with a woman who was caught in adultery. And so you know the story that he comes and the Pharisees say, it's rightful. It's, it's just and lawful for you to stone this woman. She's caught in the act of adultery. And so Jesus comes and he says, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And so they all say, hold on, let me back on up and let me go home. Let me leave her alone. And then he goes to the woman and he says, who condemns you? She says, no one. He says, neither do I. He says, go. But here it is. He says, sin no more. So with the context of him telling the people, I am the light of the world, was because he just dealt with a woman who was in darkness, and he exposed her with his light. But see, when Jesus exposes you, it's not to shame you, it's to change you. See, a lot of times when you begin to seek the Lord, he will begin to reveal some things about yourself that you do not like. <laughs> you know, I have people tell me, Pastor, I don't like coming to church. And I'm like, why? Because the preachings always speak to me. I'm like, why would you not like coming to church when God is speaking to you? Because you're telling me all my business. And I don't like it. See, the light of God will expose you. But see, you cannot heal the things that you do not reveal. See, a lot of us want change and blessing, and we want to move forward in life, and we want to break free from depression, but we choose to live in. He's saying, I am the light of the world. Your life will change when you get exposed to the light. You will begin to, the Bible declares, he is the word, and the word, the Bible says, that it is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. He is the word. When you come and you seek the presence of God, his light will begin to shine on the dark areas of your life. When you begin to praise and worship, you invite the light of God to infiltrate the dark season of your life. And even though it may be dark, Right now, I want to tell you that the light of God can turn some things around in your life. You got to switch the light on. The light, the light, the light, 
the light. It would change things. Can you imagine a surgeon trying to perform surgery on you in the dark? Oral surgeon or any type of other surgery. Can you, can you imagine them doing it in the dark? What do they have to do? They have to put a light on where the issue is. And Jesus wants to let you know today that no longer do you have to hide what you've been battling with. No longer do you have to hold on to the struggles that you've, that you've battled with for years and years. He wants to be the light that will expose it, but to also heal it and to transform your life and to change you and to guide you and to make you purposeful. He is the light of the world. We're living in dark times. And we need the light of Jesus more than ever. He says, I am the light of the world. You're seeking light and all these other things. But he says, I am the light of the world. Let me give you this third I am. Are you all doing all right, by the way? Okay. I'm just making sure. I am the gate. I am the gate. Let's look at the scripture. It says in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. It says, therefore, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and go and find pasture. I am the gate. I am, other translations say, the door. This may not seem to have very big significance to you, but they caught it immediately when he said, I am the gate. Because in that time, there was a lot of farming going on, and so he's using, he's using an illustration so that they understand who he was. In those times, they would literally gather sheep, and then they would have fences around, and the shepherds would literally lay down at the entrance of the fence and they would become the door. So in other words, the shepherd himself will protect from wolves coming in to wanting to attack the sheep. He would lay down to protect the sheep. Jesus wants to let you know that he is your protector. See, if we go in some other verses, Let's, go, let's, let's move forward here. It says, the thief comes only to steal. See, the, the, the wolves in sheep's clothing would want to come in to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Go back. He's saying, I am the gate. I am the one that keeps you inside. I am the one that protects you, and I am the one that keeps everything that's not supposed to be in here to keep it outside. See, a lot of times we take God's no as rejection, but sometimes God's no, God's no is not rejection, it's for our protection. Thank God for prayers that he didn't answer in our lives. He said, I'm the gate. He said, he ain't going through this gate. <laughs> See, some of y'all asleep. You'll catch it in the car. <laughs> See, some of y'all pray, Lord, please let this relationship work. And he's saying, no, 
because I am the gate. I've got to protect you. I've got to protect my investment. <laughs> Lord, please open this door for this job, but it wouldn't have been good enough. It would have kept you stuck. It wasn't for rejection. It was for protection. Maybe that relationship didn't work out because he was protecting you. Maybe they didn't call you back at that job because he was protecting you. Maybe that school didn't accept you because he was protecting you. Maybe, just maybe, he was working all along because he's saying, I am the gate. These jokers got to walk in through me. And isn't it good to know that we have a shepherd? Another I am that he says later, I am the good shepherd. We have a good shepherd that knows when to answer our prayers, our, our, our no. Maybe at times it may be a, a, a denial, but it's for our protection. And sometimes it's not even a denial. Maybe it's just delayed and it will come in the time that he, that he needs it. But I want to tell you that we serve a good shepherd and he knows what you need and he hears your prayer and he is there to comfort you and to protect you. He said, I am the gate. Not only was this powerful in a personal sense, but this was powerful in a, more, in a more larger theological sense because Jesus was making a bold claim. He is saying, I am the way to salvation. He's saying, I'm not just a door. You know when you live in a time where you may be watching me and this may not be politically correct. <laughs> I may ruffle some feathers. You may not like the video, but Jesus is not just a door. He's not just another way. He is the way. And I know we live in a time where that's not popular, but I would never be ashamed to declare that Jesus is the gate. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the gate, and anyone who enters through me will be saved. They will come and go and find pasture. They will live their lives on a daily basis and have me because I am the gate. What is it that you need God to be in your life today? He says, I am, to whatever that is. with friends, hanging out and enjoying life, that's, that's, that's all good and great. That's all good and great. But there will always be a sense that there's something more. This just doesn't, this just doesn't seem like it has substance. And can I tell you a word of caution and wisdom? You will live your entire life. You can listen to this word and say, Pastor, is crazy. That's not for me. And you go out. And just say, I'm going to do things my way and live how I want to live. But you will always be longing. You will always be craving. Because the Lord is telling you today, whatever it is that you need, I can be that for you. He can't force you into the relationship because if he did, then that wouldn't be real love if he made you to be a robot. <laughs> But he gave you a will and a choice. And my prayer today is that you will leave this place saying, 
He is my savior. He is my deliverer. He is my Lord. He is the God of my life. I wish that there were a few people in this place that wouldn't be ashamed, that wouldn't hold back to declare, he is, God, you are my father. You are my Lord. You are my savior. You are my redeemer. Come on, Hope Center. If he is that for you, would you give God a praise and say, God, you are who you say you are. You are my deliverer because when other people left me, you didn't leave me. You are a faithful friend. You are my hope. You are my purpose. You are my future. You are my God. You are my king. You are who you say you are. I wish I had about five people that would lift up their hands and say, you are the great I am. Would you look at the person beside you and tell them he is the great I am. He is the great I am. He is the great I am. Whatever it is that you need him to be, he is that. He is savior. He is deliver. I, he said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the light. I am the door. I am the bread. I am the light. Whatever it is that you need, he says, I am that. I can be your guide. I can be your compass. When things seem dark, when, you, when you're hunger, when you're hungry and craving, he's saying to you, I can sustain you. But God, my job isn't doing it. It's because the job was never meant to be your source. It was a blessing, but he wants you to know that he is the source. But I got married and I thought everything was going to just be fine and dandy. Your husband is not your source. Jesus is your source. Your wife is not your source. Jesus is the source. And you can come to church all your life and never experience the source until you say, God, here I am. I'm tired of doing it my way. I want the bread of life. I need your light. See, all these things are a blessing. I love my kids more than anything in the world, but they are not my source. I love having wonderful things and I love dressing well, but listen, if everything was taken away and you still have the source, I want to talk to somebody who's been on rock bottom before. I want to talk to some people that know what it's like to have nothing, have everything taken away, friends taken away, money taken away, job taken away, car taken away, but Jesus remained the same. See, it is then, it is then that this word he's saying, the bread of life, daily he will fill you. Daily he will guide you. Daily he will protect you and he will cover you. I am that I am. He is the great I am. 
Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experienced. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at myhopecenter. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.